0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so before we get into today's story, I did have one message – if you're in Sydney and you were thinking of coming to my Christmas show at the Glen Street Theatre on the 18th of December uh, and you haven't bought a ticket yet, then you should probably get on it and buy a ticket because there's not that many left. There's about 130 left. So you don't want to miss out. So if you were thinking of waiting until closer to the time, don't. And remember that the promo code is the word cake, and that will get you a $5 discount. All right. Now, if you're not in Sydney, and I can hear you getting cross with me right now, uh, well, for people in Melbourne, at least, there will be an event coming up early in the new year. So I'll be making an announcement about that next week. All right. Okay. Now let's get into today's story. Okay. Today, I'm going to be telling you the story of The Sword in the Stone, as told by Nanny Piggins. It was two o'clock in the morning and the green children were just going to bed. I know this sounds dreadfully late for three children to be up, especially on a school night, but to be fair, they had gone to bed once that night already. They'd all been sound asleep at midnight when the smoke alarm in the kitchen had gone off, emitting a deafening, pulsating squeal. The children were sound sleepers, but even they couldn't sleep through that. They'd hurried downstairs and out into the front garden as any sensible child should when they have reason to believe that their house is on fire. Boris was already there, having rescued his teddy bear, and Nanny Piggins emerged moments later wearing a slightly singed apron over her own pyjamas. "'Nothing to worry about,' she assured them. "'False alarm. "'Well, not really a false alarm. "'There was a fire, but I put it out now, I think. "'There were only three-foot-high flames for a few seconds.' "'What happened?' asked Derek. "'Well, after you'd gone to bed, "'I was feeling a little bit peckish,' explained Nanny Piggins. "'Nannying requires a lot of energy, you know.' "'It does the way you do it,' agreed Michael.' Nanny Piggins did tend to incorporate more acrobatics into her day than most nannies. And obviously I couldn't go to bed while I was starving, said Nanny Piggins, but there was not a thing to eat in the kitchen. But there was a family-sized chocolate cake in the fridge when we went to bed, said Samantha. Well, that was gone in seconds, said Nanny Piggins. It barely touched the sides. So I was seriously concerned I was going to faint from lack of nutrition. Oh, dear, said Michael. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. Luckily, there was a litre of cream in the refrigerator. I had been planning to eat it with the chocolate cake, but I forgot, and the cake was gone, so there was nothing I could do about it. What a terrible story, said Boris sympathetically. Yes, agreed Nanny Piggins. I got a little emotional about the tragedy of it all, but that's when I remembered creme brulee. ''What's creme brulee?'' asked Michael. ''It's a fabulous dessert,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''You just get a bowl of cream and some sort of flamethrower and you burn the top of it.'' ''And that's a dessert?'' asked Derek. ''It's a delicious one,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''That can't be right,'' said Michael. ''Oh, it is,'' said Nanny Piggins. ''Creme brulee literally means burned cream in French.'' ''Gosh,'' said Samantha. ''But how can burned cream taste good?'' asked Michael. "'I think it's the sugar,' said Nanny Piggins. "'You have to add a lot of sugar and an egg. "'Then apparently some sort of magic takes place at a molecular level "'because if you blast the surface with a naked flame, "'the results are spectacular. "'The surface caramelises so you get a hard, clear caramel layer on top.' "'Oh, now I'm hungry,' said Derek. "'The only problem was I didn't have the proper type of torch "'they use in restaurants,' said Nanny Piggins. "'So I popped over to the Colonel's house.' there was a retired army colonel who lived around the corner who was deeply in love with Nanny Piggins and didn't mind at all when she borrowed things in the middle of the night without asking. In fact, he dearly loved it. I knew he had some of those torches on poles in his poolside tiki bar, so I borrowed eight of them, strapped them together to make one big torch and lit them up. And that set off the fire alarm, guessed Samantha? No, it worked a treat, said Nanny Piggins. The cream started to caramelise instantly. "'Unfortunately, it was a bit too instantly. "'It went from caramelised cream to a blazing fire "'before I could put the flame out. "'Smoke billowed everywhere, "'and that's when the smoke alarm went off.' "'Oh, dear,' said Michael. "'But the real tragedy is,' said Nanny Piggins. "'She dabbed a tear from her eye as she recalled this. "'All that beautiful cream mixed with sugar "'is now totally ruined.' "'Surely not totally ruined,' said Boris, "'aghast with horror.' Totally, said Nanny Piggins, burying her face in her brother's fur chest to hide her tears. It'd be like eating a charcoal barbecue briquette. Oh no, well, Boris, they don't taste good at all. He'd learned this the hard way when he'd once mistaken a charcoal briquette for a piece of honeycomb. And worst of all, sobbed Nanny Piggins, I'm still hungry. At this point, the fire brigade turned up. Their sirens were wailing, lights flashing, and the trucks always looked so beautiful with their bright red paint that Nanny Piggins soon cheered up. She explained to the fire chief all about the creme brulee, and he was deeply sympathetic. He was used to the predicaments Nanny Piggins got herself into. In fact, he'd been a regular visitor to the house when she went through her Cajun cookery phase. Nanny Piggins offered to show the fire chief just how the fire got started by making him and his crew some creme brulee so they'd all understand that some things are worth nearly setting fire to your house for. The fire chief agreed it was important to their fire based education for them to taste this dessert, so they all came in and drank hot chocolate while Nanny Piggins popped next door to Mrs. Simpson's house to borrow some more cream. This time, the creme brulee turned out much better. The fire truck had an oxyacetylene torch that they used for rescuing people from car wrecks. This worked much better than tiki torches. Only one serving caught fire, and of course, being firefighters, they were soon able to put it out with a fire extinguisher before any damage was done. So the desserts turned out perfectly. They were just about to start eating when the police turned up, sirens wailing and lights flashing. Apparently, when Nanny Piggins borrowed the cream from Mrs Simpson, she had tripped the silent alarm in Mrs Simpson's house. Nanny Piggins would not have dreamed of waking Mrs Simpson to tell her she was borrowing something from her kitchen. That would have been rude. Mrs Simpson was 82 and needed her rest. So the police had been automatically called by the security company. Luckily, Nanny Piggins had made extra servings of creme brulee, so she had plenty to share with the police sergeant and his officers. So they soon forgave her. It ended up being quite a party. Mrs Simpson came over to join them, and they all had a lovely time. And that is how it came to be. 2am on a weeknight, and the children were going to bed. "'You'd better go straight to sleep,' said Nanny Piggins. "'You've got school tomorrow, and I don't want you falling asleep in your maths lesson. "'You won't be able to enjoy your rest properly if some teacher is prattling on about decimals "'when you're trying to dream about ice cream.' "'I don't know that I can fall asleep,' said Samantha. "'I feel all whizzy.' "'That's the creme brulee,' said Derek." you should have stopped at six servings. Don't be ridiculous, said Nanny Piggins. A growing girl can't be expected to have self-control when a dessert is concerned. To do so would show a total lack of propriety. I have raised Samantha to have principles and integrity. She knows when there's a dessert to be eaten, it would be rude to do otherwise. I don't feel sleepy either, said Michael. It was exciting having the fire trucks here in the street. The firefighters had been lovely guests. They let Michael climb the ladder on their truck and use the fire hose to water Mrs Roncoli's daffodils. Admittedly, her daffodils were now embedded a foot deep in the soil from the force of the high-pressure water blast, but Michael had tried to do a neighbourly thing, and that was the main thing. "'Why don't you tell us a story?' asked Derek. "'All right,' said Nanny Piggins, "'but which one? My stories are all so exciting they may make you wake up even more.' "'Perhaps it will wake us up so much that we become tired again,' said Michael. "'It's worth a try,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Okay, how about I tell you the story of my great-great times 87 great's cousin, Arthur Piggins?' "'You don't often tell us stories about your boy relatives,' said Samantha. "'Arthur wasn't a boy,' said Nanny Piggins. "'What on earth would make you think that?' "'Arthur is a boy's name,' said Derek.' pish, said Nanny Piggins. It is now because Arthur Piggins was so wonderful, parents wanted to name their sons after her. What did she do? asked Michael. He assumed being a Piggins, she'd invented a fabulous dessert, perhaps the first creme brulee. He seriously considered naming his future children after her if she had. Well, Arthur Piggins accidentally became king of all of Britain, said Nanny Piggins. What? said Derek. You better snuggle around and get comfy, said Nanny Piggins. It's quite a story. The children pulled up their dooners and snuggled close. It all started when my dear cousin Arthur was walking home after a long day squiring. She was a squire, asked Samantha. Yes, in the old and ancient story days, being a squire was not a bad job, said Nanny Piggins. All you had to do was follow around a knight carrying things for him, then handing him the things when he asked for them. Well, why didn't she just become a knight, asked Derek. Because that was a dreadful job, said Nanny Piggins. I thought knights were brave and glamorous, said Michael. I suppose so, said Nanny Piggins. They did get to dress up in fancy outfits and people had to bow to them all the time. And that bit was nice. But the majority of what knights had to do was very tedious. You see, knights had to be chivalrous and honourable at all times, which meant they were forever having to challenge people to duels. If someone spoke ill of the king, if someone was disrespectful to a lady, if someone forgot to indicate when they were turning right, any of those things and the knight would be honor bound to challenge them to a duel. And dueling meant jousting, which was galloping your horse at another person while you had a great long spear in your arm so you could knock them off their horse. And that's where my cousin Arthur came in. Knights had to have a squire following them around, carrying this great long spear just in case they had to have a duel. Anyway, enough of the technical details. Let's get on with the story. Arthur was walking home after a long day of squiring. She'd picked up some dinner on the way. she treated herself to a double extra large chocolate cake from the bakery. But she was so hungry she couldn't wait to get home. She didn't want to faint from exhaustion, so she sat down on a big stone in the churchyard and took the cake out. But there was a problem. The cake was so double extra large, she couldn't actually fit the whole thing in her mouth at once. "'Oh, dear,' said Boris. "'I know, it was quite distressing,' agreed Nanny Piggins. "'How she wished she could have been a snake "'and dislocated her jaw so she could shove the whole thing in. "'But she was a practical pig, "'so she soon realised she'd have to cut the cake in two "'so she could get it into her mouth cleanly in two bites. "'But squires don't carry swords themselves, "'so she didn't have one on her. "'So she looked about to see if there's a sword lying around nearby.' And as luck would have it, there was one right behind her. Someone had stuck a sword into the stone she was sitting on. So Arthur grabbed the hilt of the sword, pulled it out of the stone and chopped her cake in half. She was just about to pop the sword back in the stone and gobble up her cake when things exploded. People started rushing out from everywhere and yelling at her. Naturally, her first instinct was to shove both pieces of cake into her mouth before anyone could stop her. Then she was too busy enjoying the divine taste to pay attention to all the yelling and commotion. But eventually she opened her eyes and she was horrified to discover hundreds of people kneeling before her. What on earth is going on? demanded Arthur. You can kneel all you like, but I've already swallowed my cake, so if you want some, it's too late. Long live the king! exclaimed a man in the crowd. Then the whole rest of the crowd started chanting the same thing. Long live the king! Long live the king! Arthur looked over her shoulder to see if there was a monarch standing behind her that she hadn't noticed before she sat down, but there wasn't. "'What are you going on about?' she demanded. "'Can't a pig sit down to enjoy a nice slice of cake "'without being bothered by a worshipful crowd?' "'Your most revered, highest majesty,' said a man close to the front. "'We kneel before you as your loyal subjects.' "'What?' said Arthur. "'You hold the sword,' said the man. "'Whosoever draws the sword from the stone "'is the one true king of all of Britain.' "'This sword?' asked Arthur. "'Why on earth do you leave it lying about in the middle of a public square if it's so important?' "'No one but you has been able to draw it from the stone,' explained the man. "'Knights from across the realm have travelled here to try and draw it forth, "'but none of them have been able to. "'None until you.' "'Really?' said Arthur they should consider including more cake in their diets. Perhaps they don't have enough upper body strength because they aren't eating enough healthy food. Cake is full of all sorts of vital ingredients, like butter and sugar and eggs. I know if I don't get to eat eight or nine cakes a day, I can feel a little weak myself. "'You are now our true leader,' said the man. "'Well, that's just ridiculous,' said Arthur. "'I really prefer not to take on the responsibility. "'I have things to do. "'Cakes to bake, cakes to eat, cakes to think about eating. "'I'll just pop this sword back "'and you can get somebody else to pull it out.' Arthur shoved the sword back in the stone. A great big man lunged forward. "'I am Sir Galbraith, and now that this pig has loosened it, I'll have a go.' He grabbed the hilt and pulled hard, but the sword wouldn't budge. "'Let me try,' cried an athletic young knight, "'but it wouldn't budge for him either.' "'Gosh,' said Arthur, "'I never realised humans were so puny.' She grabbed the hilt of the sword and pulled it out of the stone again. Everyone gasped. "'It's not hard at all,' said Arthur.' Just then, an old man with a long white beard, a walking staff and wizard's robes started making his way through the crowd. People drew aside to let him through. "'Tis Merlin, the magician!' cried a voice from the crowd. Arthur groaned. "'Ugh! Not a magician,' she complained. "'You're not going to do party tricks, are you? Because if you pull a coin out of my ear, I absolutely refuse to be impressed.' If you found a pavlova in there, that might make me revise my opinion. I did enjoy that cake, but I could squeeze in something creamy and meringue. It was I who set the sword in that stone, said Merlin. I cast powerful magic over the stone so that only the one true king would draw it forth. Really, said Arthur Piggins, that sounds a very silly way of choosing a king. Wouldn't it make more sense to have a job interview? Sword-pulling ability isn't really a good measure of leadership. You are the one true king, said Merlin, when you were born many, many moons ago. Hey, 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 less with the many, many, thank you, snapped Arthur. I'll have you know that I'm 21 and have been for several years now. When you were a baby, your father entrusted you to my safekeeping, said Merlin. I gave you to a loyal knight to raise in secrecy. You gave away somebody else's baby, said Arthur. You probably shouldn't go around telling people about that. It doesn't reflect well on your character. In fact, I'm pretty sure you could get in a lot of trouble with the police. Your true father was... ''Uther Pendragon, king of all the Britons,'' said Merlin, ''you are the true heir to his crown. It is your duty to lead your people.'' ''Ugh!'' groaned Arthur Piggins. ''Very well. I shall be your king, but I'm not going to go around fighting all your battles for you. That seems unnecessarily violent.'' I'm going to agree to be your king because you're all obviously suffering from terrible vitamin deficiencies if you can't even pull a sword out of a stone. And that's exactly what she did. She was an excellent king. She saw to it that all the children of Britain ate cake three times a day, four times a day on weekends and public holidays. What a wonderful woman, admired Boris. She actually did end up having to fight many battles and wars, said Nanny Piggins, because these horrible Saxons kept invading the country, trying to steal all the delicious cake in the land. Which was, I suppose, understandable. When you have a king who ensures the highest standard of baking nationwide, of course you're going to get international armies invading, if for no other reason than because they're hungry. But Arthur Piggins and her cake-strong army saw them all off. The people loved her for it. She established many great traditions, such as the round table for her knights to sit around. Oh, oh, I've heard of that one, said Derek. She made the table round so there'd be no head or foot of the table and all the knights would meet as equals. No, that's not the reason at all, said Nanny Piggins. Arthur had a round table built because the cakes she made were so good, all the knights would fight over who got the biggest slice. So she got them to sit around a round table. That way, when she put a cake in the middle, they would all be an equal distance from it. And when she shouted, three, two, one, eat, they would all have a fair chance of grabbing the biggest piece. Oh, what a wise monarch, admired Boris. And so Arthur ruled over a time of great prosperity and happiness and cake-eating. And she has been remembered throughout history as the greatest king to rule Britain. It's funny that the history books never mention that she was a woman, said Derek. Or a pig, added Michael. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins. Historians never do pay enough attention to detail. If they did, they'd get a proper job like a pastry chef, where attention to detail is important. All right, now that's it. Time for bed, said Nanny Piggins. Although she didn't really need to say so because Samantha and Michael were fast asleep already and Derek was halfway there too. And that's the end of the story. So until next time, goodbye.